are listening to the Salem Oracle Podcast, a doorway into another dimension of time and space, where we travel back to 1692 to better understand the Salem Witch Trials. I'm your host, Maya Rook. Together, let's peel back the veil and see what it reveals about this infamous, fascinating, and dark piece of our shared history. The Salem Oracle Podcast is an illusory time production and is an accompaniment to the day-by-day chronicles of the Salem Witch Trials on Twitter and Instagram at Salem underscore Oracle. Be sure to follow along for daily updates. Hello, everyone. Happy spring. Yesterday was the spring equinox, the first official day of spring. It still felt very much like late winter. Here in Maine, it was pretty gray and misty and rainy, but today the sun is shining. And yeah, you can definitely feel spring is creeping in around the edges. So that's where I'm at. I hope you all are well. Let's find out what's been happening in Salem over the last week. So we'll look at March 14th to the 20th. And we're going to find more instances of afflictions, accusations, and just plain weirdness. Before we dive in, I want to note a couple of things. So as things intensify in Salem, as they'll continue to do, I'm going to be offering little roundups at the end of each episode where we will catch up on exactly who's been afflicted, who's been accused, who's been imprisoned, who's confessed, all that kind of stuff. Just so we can really start to keep track of the numbers and the names, because there is a lot. (laughs) And then on the bonus podcast episodes, members, I'm going to be sharing even more details on these individuals just to really help us go deep. You know, who these people are, how they fit into the story of Salem, because it is a lot to handle. So I hope this will be a way to kind of allow ourselves to build each week. And so we can really understand every single one of the players who's involved in these trials. So for example, in last week's bonus podcast episode, I went into the details on the girls who have been currently afflicted so far by mid-March. And then this week, I'll provide a similar overview of who's been accused so far and sort of their backstory. And then I'll also be diving deep into the first handful of people to be accused, arrested, examined, and imprisoned in these early days of the trials with a virtual event this Wednesday, March 23rd at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. This is the first Witches of Salem. And I think it's a really beautiful way to honor the memory of these individuals by paying very close attention to what their stories were and just being curious, you know, like, who are these people? What were their lives actually like? How were they affected by the trials? And why were they early targets of the witch hysteria? I think that question of why underlies so much of our curiosity, our fascination, our investigation of Salem, right? Why? How could this happen? And why were certain people accused and others accusers or just sidelined, right? Just watching from afar. So it'll just be one more way to investigate that question of why. And if you want to find out more about this virtual event, or learn about membership options so you can gain access to those bonus podcast episodes and other exclusive content, you can go to illusorytime.com slash Salem Oracle. And I've also got links to all the stuff in my social medias as well. All right, so let's see what's been happening the past few days in Salem. We start with Monday, March 14th, as Abigail Williams continues in her afflictions. 
So she claims the specters of Martha Corey and Elizabeth Proctor torment her. And just down the road, Anne Putnam Jr. suffers today as well. So Thomas Putnam, her father, actually invites Martha Corey to his home to see his daughter Anne in person. Right? She has been claiming that Martha Corey is grievously tormenting her. So as Martha enters the house, uh, Anne crumples to the floor. Her body starts contorting in strange positions. She's choking. She's writhing. She's screaming. She sticks out her tongue and bites down on it hard. So quite dramatic. When Anne finds that she's able to speak again, she says to Martha, there is a yellow bird a-sucking between your forefinger and middle finger. I see it. All right. So she sees Martha Corey's familiar, supposedly. And Martha starts to rub the spot between her fingers, and the yellow bird disappears. Anne also claims that she sees a spit rotating with a man impaled on it. She sees this in her parents' hearth. She has this spectral vision, and she shouts out, Goody Corey, you be turning it. And then the Putnam's maid, Mercy Lewis, takes a swing at the spectral spit, and it disappears momentarily. However, then the specter of Martha Corey will strike at Mercy with an iron rod. So now both Mercy and Anne are writhing in pain, and Martha Corey leaves the Putnam home as three men try to restrain Mercy in her convulsions. And so Mercy Lewis, who does serve as a maid in the Putnam household, has now become one of the afflicted girls. The following day, on March 15th, Elizabeth Hubbard reports seeing the specter of Martha Corey, while Abigail Williams sees Rebecca Nurse. The real Rebecca Nurse, however, is quite elderly and unwell. She is 71 years old. She's been ill, and these days she rests and stays close to her heart. But she is a full-fledged church member, and she's well-respected in the community. It's around this time that the afflictions and the suspicions of witchcraft start to spread to other towns in the surrounding areas, such as Ipswich. So in Ipswich, James Fuller Jr. reports that his sister Mary Fuller and Marjorie Thorne both fell into fits one night. And it appears that Rachel Clinton is to blame. So Rachel is an impoverished woman. She's kind of similar in status to somebody like Sarah Good, who we know has already been accused, examined, and imprisoned in Salem. Except Rachel has no children, she has no husband, and she already has a reputation for witchcraft. This is an unfounded reputation, but it's a reputation nonetheless. So apparently she shows up at the Fuller's house, uninvited and unwelcome, but she sits down anyways, and when James Fuller asks why she's there, she retorts that she came to hear what lies they were talking about her. And then James Fuller's nephew comes in and he announces that his sister has died. And at that moment... Rachel runs out the door and seems to disappear into the night. So it appears that James's niece fell into a deep trance that evening for several hours and later would claim that she saw a mysterious and terrifying figure in the corner who rushed at her and knocked her down, rendering her unconscious, unconscious and unable to speak. Also around this time, in mid-March, little Betty Paris is sent away from the Paris household. So her fits by this point have not ceased, and things, as we know, are intensifying in Salem, and her parents decide it would be best to remove her from the craziness that's brewing here. 
So she actually leaves Salem Village and travels to Salem Town, where she's going to stay under the care of Samuel Sewell, who's a relative of the Paris family. After her arrival there, as she settles into the household, the afflictions soon subside, and really from this point on, Betty's no longer participating in the examinations or the official trials that are come later this spring. So she kind of drops off, really, from the record here. She doesn't appear in any more of the examination accounts. By March 18th, the afflictions have continued to spread, and Putnam Sr., on this afternoon, she attempts to rest, but instead she finds herself fighting off the specter of Rebecca Nurse. As we know around here at Salem Oracle, we love historian Marilyn K. Roach and all of her work that she's done on the Salem Witch Trials. And something I appreciate about her account often is that whenever possible, she reminds us about who these individuals were and what their lives were like. So she writes about Ann Putnam Sr. at this point as she's starting to experience afflictions. And she describes her situation saying, she had tended to her seizure-wracked daughter for the past month and now had to deal with the maid's fits as well. Ann Sr. still had to cook three meals a day and care for the other five children and her husband. Moreover, she had realized she was once again with child. All right, so this gives us a little sense of what Ann Putnam Sr.'s life is like at this moment, and it's in the midst of all of this that she attempts to lay down just to get a rest and finds herself instead battling invisible specters. On March 19th, the specter of Rebecca Nurse continues to torment Ann Putnam Sr., who now claims that the specter of Martha Corey also attacks her. So Edward Putnam and Henry Kenny go to the magistrates, Hawthorne and Corwin, in order to make official complaints against Martha Corey, accusing her and her specter for tormenting Ann Putnam Sr., her daughter Ann Putnam Jr., Mercy Lewis, Elizabeth Hubbard, and Abigail Williams. And then some more fun stuff will happen this evening. So as the sun is setting, Reverend Diodot Lawson, who is visiting the village, comes to see Samuel Paris in his home. And during the visit, Abigail Williams falls into one of her fits. So it's described that she's running back and forth across the house. She's flapping her arms as though flying and calling out, wish, wish, wish. And Abigail cries out, do you not see her? Why, there she stands. And she's pointing to the specter of Rebecca Nurse, but nobody else can see the specter. Abigail, though, claims that Rebecca Nurse's specter is pushing a book towards her, and she cries out, I won't, I won't, I won't take it. I do not know what book it is. I am sure it is none of God's book. It is the devil's book, for aught I know. And then, my favorite part, Abigail runs into the fireplace and takes a bunch of burning sticks out and starts throwing them around the room. All right, so this report comes to us from Diodot Lawson himself from his book, A Brief and True Narrative of Some Remarkable Passages Relating to Sundry Persons Afflicted by Witchcraft at Salem Village. Uh, He also writes of another incident that occurs on this day. So here are his exact words. I went to Salem Village and lodged at Nathaniel Ingersoll's near to the minister, Mr. Paris's house. And presently after, I came into my lodging. Captain Walcott's daughter, Mary, came to Lieutenant Ingersoll's and spoke to me. But suddenly, after, as she stood by the door, was bitten, so that she cried out of her wrist and looking on it with a candle. We saw apparently the marks of teeth, both upper and lower set, 
on each side of her wrist. All right, compelling evidence here. And now Mary Walcott clearly has become afflicted as well. So we've got bite marks appearing on the bodies of the afflicted. We've got the afflicted running around, pretending to fly and throwing burning sticks around rooms. Kind of seems appropriate that the next day we're entering into Aries as we get into March 20th, as well as the first day of spring. There is certainly some dramatic, fiery Aries energy here happening, if you ask me, throwing burning sticks around the room. And today, March 20th, is a Sunday, and Reverend Lawson is going to serve as the guest preacher for Salem Village. And during the opening prayer, many of the afflicted individuals who are present in the meeting house are caught in sore fits. Martha Corey, who, as we know, has been recently accused of witchcraft, and she's also present in the meeting house. Now, when Reverend Lawson begins his sermon, he's interrupted by the afflicted Abigail Williams, the same one who was putting on that little show last night. This time she shouts, now stand up and name your text. So Reverend Lawson reads the name of the text he's chosen for the sermon, and she cries out, it is a long text. Getting a little sassy around here. All right, and then throughout the sermon, Abigail will claim that Martha Corey is tormenting her. She points as Corey's specter perches on a beam above the congregation with a little yellow bird. There's that little yellow bird again, which soon flies off and lands on Lawson's hat. Despite these accusations, Martha Corey is going to sit calmly throughout the sermon. And her examination will take place on Monday, March 21st. And as she sat calmly that day for that sermon, there's no way that she could know what would be in store for her the following day or in the coming months. So yeah, it's been an intense week. I always feel like we have to do this like, day by day breaking up and then like week by week breaking up of what's going on just so we can process this intensity. Otherwise, it becomes so much to try to do everything all at once. Um, so as promised, let's do our little roundup so far of the individuals involved. This brings us to 10 people who have experienced afflictions. Abigail Williams, Betty Paris, Ann Putnam Jr., Elizabeth Hubbard, Mary Warren, Mercy Lewis, Mary Fuller, Marjorie Thorne, Ann Putnam Sr., and Mary Walcott. And then we've also had a few reports of strange incidents from some of the residents of Salem Village over the last couple of weeks, including William Allen, John Hughes, and Beth, Beth Shua Pope. And I'm not sure at this point, like, do we consider them officially afflicted? Or are they just witnesses to some strange experiences? We'll see where they kind of fit into the story, but we'll keep tabs on these kinds of reports as it's certainly important to our investigation. And then we have eight people who have been accused of causing the afflictions. Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, Tituba, Elizabeth Proctor, Martha Corey, Rebecca Nurse, John Proctor, and Rachel Clinton. And three of those people have been arrested, examined, imprisoned, Good, Osborne, and Tituba. And we've also had that one confession so far from Tituba. So that is where we are at. Thank you so much for listening today, for catching up on the happenings of Salem 1692. Don't forget to check out this week's Salem Oracle virtual event, the first Witches of Salem. That's going to be Wednesday, March 23rd. And we'll explore the first people to be accused during the first month of accusations and examinations and investigate why they may have been early targets of the witch hysteria. 
please also consider becoming a supporting member of the Salem Oracle Project. You can find more about this at illusorytime.com slash Salem Oracle. You can gain access to all kinds of cool bonus content and just know that you're making this investigation into the Salem Witch Trials possible. All right, so thank you so much to those who have already become members and are helping to grow this community. I just appreciate you so much. And of course, thanks again to everyone for listening today. Please keep tuning in each week, checking the daily posts on social media, sharing with friends, subscribing, leaving reviews, all that good stuff. All right, have a great week and I'll see you again soon. The Salem Oracle Podcast is an Illusory Time production, hosted by Maya Rook, theme music by Just Milk. Follow along with the day-by-day account of the Salem Witch Trials at Salem underscore Oracle on Twitter and Instagram. Find out more about this project, become a member, and check out upcoming virtual events at illusorytime.com slash Salem Oracle. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take the time to rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends so we can bring more people along on this journey back to the dark days of 1692. Thank you.